So the more you work on different products and the more you think about your day-to-day products, the more you can build your product sense. Whenever you want to switch a role, the best way to switch the role mm. is to actually do that work rather than just interviewing right. for it and then transitioning because you're already into the weeds of it and then you can uh, Did you have any experience where you, you know, kept doing these things and something came uh, on your way, you know, that maybe brought you a new connection, brought you a new role or any experience like that? If you can get into the art of building these long-lasting relationships, it's actually going to benefit your career um, and so you have to think think bigger in this case. Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast Everything Product. We talk about different product management concepts and latest technology insights in this channel. Um before I start the podcast today, right? I want to thank each and everyone who has been trusting us and following us for all of this time. We hit our first big milestone of 10,000 subscribers last week. So, thank you everyone for following us. And I'm super excited about today's podcast too. Um uh, our team has been thinking about doing women in product series for like quite some time now and we have our first women product manager on our channel. So Kitiki thank you so much for being on the channel and spending time with us. Thank you funny glad to hear about your milestone and rooting for you all around. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Um and for all the listeners Kitiki is an AI product manager who is currently working in Oracle and more than the professional work and what she has been doing she's one of the persons who has been very active in several communities so she's a very active member in women in tech i mean she has presented in several conferences she's the co-organizer for product tank and she has been very active on linkedin and she's a very active mentor for different people as well so super excited having her in our podcast and we'll be talking about two different things one is personal branding that that is something a lot of people struggle with and a lot of people try but they're unable to accomplish things so she's an expert in that so we have some questions lined up for her and then we'll also be talking about product management ai product space has been bubbling for the last year or so and there are not many people in the industry who can talk about it so we'll be talking about some of the things with that with kitty i'll start with a simple question um what motivates you like as product managers our days extremely busy but what motivates you in doing all of these things beyond your professional career all right so when i think about it um i am st- i'm here um and i'm working as an ai product manager at oracle and i've reached where i have uh, where i'm currently in pro- in the professional world because of some people who took a chance chance on me and it's because of people who were ready to give back to the community and um, they were able to empower me with the right resources and choices that i could make at the right time to be where i am and so i feel like once i've reached here and now that i'm able to understand a little uh, deeper about the product community i also want to give back and ensure that people who were in the same career stage as me a few years ago i can help them in the ways that i can and, and so that involves just these little moments of fulfillment that i get by mentoring people by presenting my work at conferences and by also talking to people on podcasts and sharing uh, my experiences so that someone can benefit out of it so that's the core motivation of where it comes from but i'm very thankful for people who have been able to showcase that and lead by action in showing that to me so that's what i'm doing just following their legacy 
no that's great to hear kitki and we've and one of our personal things is that as well because if you think about me sidhu arshinad right all three mm-hmm. of us have been through the journey we were engineers we have transitioned through some mba or something like that and there is a lot of mm-hmm. people who helped us in being here now if we are product yeah. leaders in the space it helped us a lot so great to hear that you're giving back to the community and then you're trying to uh, help other people join join our uh, professions as well one more thing i wanted to ask you right is mm. it's not easy like how do you manage your time because you have 8 to 10 hours of your day doing your professional work then you're very active on linkedin you've mm-hmm. been writing articles on different channels and stuff how do you uh, define your time or manage your time in doing these things so in terms of time management i feel like it is being a product manager helps a lot because you can define priorities in terms of what you want to do in your personal and professional life and so there are days and weeks where my work takes precedence over everything else and i'm just giving all my focus and attention to work and maybe when i'm done working i don't have energy to do anything else but then there are weeks where i'm able to give a lot to the other initiatives that i'm working on so at any point of time my calendar is filled with uh, the tasks that i want to do the tasks that i want to accomplish in a week in a month um it might shift um and get reshuffled over one week and over the next week and then over some days but in the end i know that by the end of this month i want to get these things done i want to apply for this award i want to write this article i want to uh, maybe pitch my um experience to a podcast and when i have those things in my mind it sets the theme for that week so there might be days when i uh, slack and don't get things done but then by the end of that month i'm able to achieve something and then that's how it keeps me going so just having those little checkpoints and having those goals on your calendar so that you have it in front of you all the time and then you can keep yourself accountable so that helps and i don't try to multitask at all uh, i just try to focus on one thing at a time there are different ways you can build your personal brand and you as a person have been doing great at multitude of channels so i wanted to understand what are your thoughts about personal branding and how does someone go about doing that so when we talk about uh, building a personal brand in general there are first of all there are several myths that have to be addressed around this and the first myth is that people always talk about finding your niche but it's not really necessary to find your niche because what i've observed uh, while sharing my experiences is when i write about my everyday life and maybe i'm talking about product management all the time but there are days when i just talk about my childhood and how it has shaped me to to be the person that i am and so people resonate a lot with those kind of topics so you have to mix and match uh, diverse aspects of your life because our careers today they are multidimensional they don't focus on just our job they are not completely targeted towards one aspect one aspect so the more you talk about your everyday life the more you normalize these conversations the more people resonate with it uh, so that's the first thing you have to diversify your content you don't have to always find your niche or stress about it and the second thing is you identify your personality so as a person i derive a lot of joy uh, by talking to people by sharing my experiences on podcasts and also writing so i do all of those things but for some people they might not be willing to talk to others they might not be willing to do a lot of speaking engagements and they might prefer writing so you can just do that 
um so once you figure out what kind of channels suit your personality maybe you want to write more maybe you just want to participate in hackathons and share about that or maybe you just want to be on as many podcasts as you can and share your experience through conversations so you have to find those channels and then once you have narrowed down the channels that you can apply to that you can you share your content on then you start crafting a strategy on this is my cadence i'm going to write once a week i'm going to write once a month and i'm going to post these things and i'm going to talk about these things so then it becomes very easier uh, it it becomes easier for you to handle everything uh, and it does not feel like a burden and that's the thing that i'm going for where there are several months where i don't post anything on linkedin because i just don't feel like it but i don't take it as a burden and i share things when i can and people appreciate that so it's just about um, finding the right channel that is suited to your personality finding the topics that you can talk about uh, and then doing it at your own pace without taking the pressure of posting every day and posting every month and all those rules that you might um, apply to yourself uh, and and I, actually I, i kind of resonated with that like when when i was even when i started posting on linkedin i think that's the first advice which i got was uh pick a niche stick to, find your niche stick to your niche and all but that's not true for all the uh, you know at least all all the all the platforms right so linkedin i think people resonate more to personal stories pictures rather than just product management and if you just keep post posting uh, product management it will become stale soon and people uh, i think you have to make it more engaging for people but that's completely different when you write a newsletter right where um, uh, for my newsletter you just focus on product management if i talk anything else there's not much engagement so if i talk about even my one year anniversary there's like people don't care about it yeah i i've seen these posts on linkedin where it has just become so saturated and people now write about they watched this series and these are five product management lessons that they learned from those series and i just get agitated looking at that content because there are some things that are just meant for entertainment you cannot fit product management into everything that you do and so it's just about copying each other's trends and uh, just doing everything under that umbrella which is completely saturated this content market on linkedin which i feel very sad about because people have stopped sharing their unique experiences and they focus on what is trending and they just write try to write in a similar template so we have to stop and rethink about those things so maybe a follow up question quick follow up question to that right like i'm assuming like when you're building a community and also doing all of these posts and all of that stuff it's you doing and and you also do like one on one sessions or mentorship with people and uh how does that happen normally for you so uh, the way that this works is um, in 2021 i heard this in pandemic where i was not feeling a sense of fulfillment and then i was looking for something beyond my job to help me feel meaningful and uh, to just add a sense of fulfillment to what i was doing so during that time i started um, having google form on linkedin and just asking people to fill that google form if they were interested to get one to one mentoring sessions with me but then over the last last year or so i've seen a lot of mentoring platforms rising like there is topmate and there is kriya and there are all these platforms where you can be a mentor and people can then either you monetize that or you offer your sessions for free and then people can based on their needs they can um, sign up for that and they can get these mentoring sessions so with some people it's just about one time mentoring sessions with some people they might want a series of mentoring sessions 
maybe they're trying to crack an interview and they need constant advice and with other people they just have one career decision that they need advice about so that's how i've tried to become a mentor on all of these platforms and, and whenever it's possible i do it so do you have like if anybody who wants to at least people who are listening right if they want to become a mentor do you have a uh, recommendation on which platform to use or or your personal preference i have seen a lot of platforms but my personal preference would be and this is not sponsored by the way but my personal preference would be topmate uh, because um, it it gives you the analytics uh, very effectively once you're mentoring people you also get to know how much the, that person has enjoyed they give you testimonials and then you can also look at how many people are focusing on which mentoring session of yours and then you can have a tailor made plan for what you can offer to the community and all my mentoring sessions are free because i this is just something that i'm doing uh, to give back to the community and for all the listeners who have who have been listening right go to topmate search for ketki vaidya and blocker calendar <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome ketki um i have mm-hmm. one thing that i resonated a lot as well right um mm-hmm. storytelling so as product managers mm-hmm. we need to tell a story so that we can clearly communicate what we are envisioning and one of the, you mentioned the same right we are uh, a diverse but we are we as even though we are one person we have a diverse portfolio we sure. grew as we continue to learn from different aspects of life um can you talk a little bit more about how you incorporate that um both in your professional career and probably in the other activities that you do as well yeah so i would say um storytelling is definitely very important for a product manager and also because you have to influence everyone around you without authority and you have to do it in a way that resonates with um, with them and they can also understand what is important for the product so the way to build storytelling would be just being a good observer um and that comes with just looking at maybe you're watching a ted talk or maybe you are um, watching your colleague give a presentation so there are nuances of how people present and what is good about the way in which they present uh that you can focus on and then you start making maybe have a journal or you can note it down somewhere online but you start noting down the things that you like so maybe someone in their introduction says a beautiful sentence that resonates with everyone i usually try to note these things down i don't use that exactly but it helps me to understand this is what uh this is something that moves people or this is something that uh, helps in gripping the audience's attention so you start with things like that you observe everyone around you and once you it's just like product sense once you start approaching everything with that lens uh, things become more evident so that would be the first thing and the second thing is once you start speaking uh, if your presentations are recorded if your podcasts are recorded do the dreadful thing of watching yourself speak and that will give you a lot of feedback about how you can improve so for instance when i watched my conference uh, presentations i noticed that just is a word that i say a lot and then once i still say that a lot and and you can go back to this conference and uh, you can go back to this recording and see for yourself but uh, that is something that i always keep in my mind um, in order to ensure that i'm not using a lot of fillers i'm not using the same word over and over again because it is taking away the essence of what i'm trying to convey to the audience so that's 
so just those two things i would say would make you a very good storyteller we have watched our podcast enough that we know each of our <laughs> commonly used words and <laughs> we make sure we remind the others like when they repeat you won't see those has something with the other but you won't see <laughs> that in the in our actual video kit because ai has been so advanced that we remove all the fillers when we post our videos and stuff <laughs> that is good but this is where you are getting the chance to edit it what about uh, the places where you are speaking live you can't do anything about it and that's why you have to constantly think and try to improve on these little things that no one will tell you but you would observe when you watch your recording even like when you're talking about right like the content you write and all right i feel that like as you write more content on specific topics you have a more deeper understanding of it and 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 that an extension to that is people reach out to you with questions on that content and you again reclarify that so the more you do this exercise the better you have the understanding of like whatever topic you're writing about so that even makes you better at that right absolutely and a very easy way to do that is um in our professional world we are always trying to upskill we are always trying to learn something or the other once you start sharing those perspectives on linkedin or maybe you write an article about it it's very easy to reflect on what you've learned and that way it's, it, you are better able to retain it but at the same time you keep discussing it with other people they reach out to you with queries and then it makes you a much better thought leader thought leader is a strong word but it makes you a much better student in that uh, particular aspect or topic from the time i was a kid i've always heard these thing mm-hmm. that hey if you have some thoughts in mind write it down when you write it down you'll be able to like clearly tell the thought process this goes back to the right. amazon principles and everything as well right we do on a daily mm-hmm. basis like one page or six page or etc etc but the new thing that i have always been hearing even in uh, the product con recently that i have been in um, mm-hmm. one of the speakers i think amit or someone they have been mentioning that hey record yourself and then talk to your um, watch it over and we continually do that too because we post our podcast right we see ourselves and we will be like dude what the hell did i tell at that time <laughs> but it actually teaches a lot about yourself it, it teaches a lot about how you can improve and how you can convey what you want to tell to the other people and stuff i want to ask about one yeah. last thing on that right networking mm-hmm. because there's a saying in the world right um you are who you know or you will be who you know in the next uh, few years or few decades and stuff so how do you mm-hmm. go about doing networking uh, growing your network it could be social channels like linkedin or in your personal uh, profile and stuff yeah so i think once you uh, networking is a skill that i don't think our schools prepared us a lot for but then it's it makes or breaks what you do in your personal and professional life uh, especially in today's era where people can network so well with each other and they can build a sustaining relationship so the way that i see networking is there are you you it dif, um, it differs based on the purpose of your networking so you might have a short term goal with one 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 of the people that you meet on linkedin and you might want maybe say you want to get your resume reviewed by that person so this is a short term goal you're trying to network with that person they're going to review your resume once and then that's it you're not going to go beyond beyond that purpose and the second kind of um, relationships that you might build would be very long lasting where maybe you're trying to get someone to be your mentor or maybe you're just following someone for the content that they're posting 
and you always want to stay connected because you want to follow their journey and keep learning from their journey so first of all you have to be very clear about uh, the purpose of reaching out to someone and the more honest you are about this the more people will respect it and no one owes you anything when it comes to networking so let's say i am sending a personalized invite to someone it is completely reasonable for them to not accept it and it's completely reasonable for them to tell me that hey i don't have time to review resumes right now and i will not be accepting this request so that's not to be taken personally so when you're reaching out to people especially when you're beginning your networking journey you'll hear a lot of no's you'll see people ghost you you'll sometimes see people write very rude things because they might not be in the right state of mind when your message reaches them so you have to accept that nothing is to be taken personally but if someone answers your request take it as a bonus because they were not bound to do so but they are still helping you so never forget um, the amount of effort that it takes for them to help a stranger and try to maintain a long lasting relationship with them and then when you're sending out personalized invites on linkedin be very clear about the purpose of that invite so people usually write very vague responses i had someone write um, a personalized invite the other day and they were saying hey i see that you are an amazing leader in ai i would love to learn from your expertise and it meant nothing to me because it was not specific it was a very generic message that they might have sent to 10 other people so i didn't accept that invite but if you are really trying to reach out to someone um, you have to focus on researching their profile what have they posted what interests them what are they talking about try to do that research and in your personalized invite be honest about why are you reaching out it can be as simple as you want to follow follow their journey because you read this article and you liked it or maybe um, you wanting to get your resume reviewed but the more honest and upfront you are about it um, the more it helps the other person to understand that you are valuing their time and they will be more willing to help you in that case so that would be um, some of the things that i followed <laughs> yeah yeah 100% so during our mba times right one uh, one thing that we used to keep hearing mm-hmm. is reach out to 20 mm-hmm. people one or two people might be responding back to you but you should cherish right. those 10% responses or 5% responses that you have but definitely mm-hmm. reach out to them network and get all the contacts and stuff yeah 100% right because i've also seen this a lot that uh, not a lot of people are grateful for the help that they get these days um, i've had people reaching out to me for resume reviews and the moment i share um the suggestions on how they can get their resume better they don't even thank me and and they just they are done right so we we are living in an era where people once their work is done once the purpose is served they are not looking to build a long lasting relationship with that person it's just uh, based on it's very transactional it's based on what you can give me what i can give you but if you can get into the art of building these long lasting relationships it's actually going to benefit your career um, and so you have to think think bigger yeah i have a funny <laughs> incident with uh, experience, experience which i had uh, on on the similar note right so i have i have a community on instagram and uh, literally there was one person who copy pasted their homework <laughs> in their mba class and sent it to me saying that can you solve this for me <laughs> like nobody you know let me know if you have any questions while solving it i can't do your homework for you <laughs> but uh, yeah on on your note uh, so um, i want to switch gears a little bit um, um uh, so um, you know uh, 
personal branding networking is a long term game right so it's almost like you're planting a tree and then you get the fruits sometime you know a lot later in the game right so you know maybe did, did you have any experience where you you know kept doing these things and something came uh, on your way you know that maybe brought you a new connection brought you a new role or any experience like that if you can share it with us yeah i've recently had an experience like that where um so i was trying to get more into the research side of things and i was trying to understand uh, dive deeper into neural networks and understand what are the different research papers that are being published uh, on this and if i could maybe review some articles around it and so while doing that i was able to find a professor who was writing a lot of articles that i resonated with so i reached out to that professor talked about um, why i wanted to work with him and help him review a few things and now that has given me an opportunity to review about 10 to 11 papers with him and also co-author a paper with him on neural networks so it's i didn't start out thinking about these things but it was about a mutual interest that we had around the same topic and then now i can dive deeper into the mechanisms behind these technologies because in the on the industry side i feel like certain technologies are black box and we are more focused about the applications of those technologies versus here i'm getting a chance to go into the intricacies of how these models are designed and what can we do what is the research that is being done in this area and it makes me a better professional then so i was trying to do more of these things and just that one connection i would say benefited me a lot in many aspects uh, so i didn't anticipate that but it happened organically nice i want to um, switch gears right like let's come back to product management so i know you have been an engineer <laughs> for some time and uh, right you have recently yeah. moved into a product management role in the last year or two so want to understand mm-hmm. your journey on how you moved into product management what are the different things that helped you there etc sure so this is a and this is a story that never gets old and the the more i tell it the more excited i am about it but when i was an engineer i used to be called the extroverted engineer um and everyone would uh, i would be that engineer who was always excited about presentations and wanted more demos of my plate and we used to get very um, less opportunities to present to the leadership or to present to someone about the work that we were doing most of the presentations were at the team level but to go to the higher pro- platforms and talk about the products that we were working on from an engineering perspective there's not a lot of opportunity around that in organizations and so i used to be that engineer who was always excited to undertake these demos and presentations whenever they came our way uh, so during that time i started working a lot with the product managers in my organization because we were a cross functional team we were working on a lot of uh, proof of concepts around some new technologies in our organization and that gave me an opportunity to work with our product managers um, and since i was working so closely with them there was not a demarcation of what an engineer was doing and what a product manager was doing so i ended up doing a lot of product management tasks without even realizing it and uh, that's when i started resonating a lot with the work that i was doing because uh, it it involved brainstorming it involved um, creating the strategy documents it involved thinking about our market plan and then um, also talking to the engineers about how we are going to release the product so i started talking to my product managers trying to understand what their career looked like 
what got them to this career in the first place then i also set up a lot of coffee chats with people on linkedin so i had around 200 coffee chats around people wow. um, working on product management and what there were different flavors of product management um, in the way that i saw it and i was talking to everyone to understand what they did in their day to day lives so i got very interested in this and then i applied to a few universities in the us to pursue a masters in product management and then transition to this field but when um, when i resigned from my company because i wanted to come to the us for my masters they also had an open position for product management in california and so they transferred me to the us as a product manager so i i was an engineering lead in india but then i got an opportunity to transition to an ai product manager in the us which is like best of both worlds because i also wanted global exposure and at the same time i wanted to switch my field Uh, so that is how I came to the US. That is how I came to the field of product management. But it's just been one year, and I'm still exploring what product management has to offer because I feel like as a field, this is a very vast and vague field at times. It's very open-ended, and every organization treats the product manager role very differently. So I'm still trying to figure out what it means to be a product manager every day. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely here because. product management is a profession right like take three of us me siddu and shrinath mm-hmm. we three have been product managers for like quite some time now and we three do like mm-hmm. all different kinds of things no, nothing nothing really matches on a daily basis and one more thing i i loved what you said is whenever you want to switch a role the best way to switch the mm-hmm. role is to actually do that work rather than just interviewing right. for it and then transitioning because you're already into the weeds of it and then you can uh, mm-hmm. jump into the role automatically I think especially for product management this is true uh, because uh, people have again they have very different notions of what product manager means and they just read about it and they read some articles about it and the articles tend to glorify what this role has to offer and it is always glamorized and it says you get to work with the customers and you get to do this and you get to you don't have to do the coding you don't have to think about this but it's not as glamorous as as they make it to be and you do have to get involved in the day to day workings of uh, how the engineering is doing the task how ui ux is working on it how the quality assurance team is working on it so you have to have a very good foundational understanding of what your product is setting out to do what are the architecture um, what, what is the different architectural uh, frameworks that are that have been used and unless you have that understanding it's very difficult to be a good product manager so people usually break into this field because they have very wrong reasons about what product management has to offer and so maybe they get into this field because they hate coding or maybe they get into this field because they want something that is business oriented but that's just the surface of this field and so it's very important to understand what your role is going to look like by actually doing the work and if you can shadow a product manager if you find an internal opportunity it's always good to do a small proof of concept of, about whether this would be the career that you're looking for once you're sure of it you can break into product but i want to ensure that everyone breaks into product for the right reasons and not because they hate coding <laughs> i think we we also talk about talk about it a lot right there shouldn't be a path where you know engineers move into product management just that just because they they are not into coding right yeah right no shortcuts <laughs> one other thing i love to hear from people is the product mindset 
so whenever uh, you're especially transitioning from engineers i used to be an engineer 10 years ago and then i mm-hmm. similar path i did my mba transition into like product management roles and stuff uh, but one thing people struggle is having that product mindset or the product sense like thinking yeah. about what exactly the customer wants taking it a step back and understanding the problem rather than understanding what they exactly want building a product that solves it so uh may would love to get your thoughts on how do you go about doing that sure so i think when we talk about product sense and i've i've been reading a lot of newsletters around this and it's like the number one skill that any product manager should have the problem is that when we talk about product sense it's something that does not cultivate in you from your work alone and you have to work on it beyond your job in order to build a good product sense so when we talk about product sense it's the art of crafting products that are set out to perform the intended use of that product so let's say when apple was building iphone their purpose behind it was that they wanted functionality with aesthetics and then that is the that is the core aspect that they focused on and so every product out there is trying to solve a pain point but does that pain point actually solve the user's problem or is that an existing problem so the more you work on different products and the more you think about your day to day products the more you can build your product sense so there are several ways in which product sense can be built and i'm still learning to build my product sense every day and then there are also certain metrics that you can keep in mind in order to understand if you're really improving but the first thing is um to understand how to have more empathy towards the users so that would happen by looking at how users are using your product and that's just being a silent observer so when i do user interviews for my product uh, i do have a set of five to six questions that i usually interview the users on but there's also a silent aspect in that interview where i'm just observing asking them to share their screen if it's online or if it's in person i'm looking at how they are interacting with the product so that alone gives me a lot of understanding about this is an area where they're struggling a lot or this is the screen where they don't understand anything and this is the screen where maybe it was not the primary use but they're using it in a different way so just silently observing how your users are using your product that will give you a lot of understanding into what should be going into the product and what are the features that might not be as useful the second thing is if you are looking at your everyday products and you're trying to assess what are the different things that you appreciate and what are the different things that lack over here so that would happen by doing a lot of product case studies for instance i was um, doing a product case study on duolingo i wrote an article about it uh, that i can share with you later but um, what i observed was duolingo has made their entire onboarding process very seamless and let's say i am trying to learn a language by going to duolingo and i'm trying to uh, take some lessons on spanish let's take an example so if i am lo- logging in at 5 pm every day and taking my lessons and then one day i don't show up i get an email at exact 5 pm to say that hey you are missing your class why don't you join uh, why don't you go to duolingo and uh, complete your lesson so they have been able to identify that users are usually free um, for 2 to 3 hours in a day where they take these lessons and that's consistent in their schedule so maybe i do it every day after my work or maybe i do it every day after dinner and they are clever enough to send the email at the exact time 
where i might be more willing to go to their platform and take that lesson which is increasing their user retention rate so there are these different things that you can observe about your everyday products uh, and then you can identify if i would have been the product manager for this feature this is what i would have changed or this is what i would have continued and then the more you start doing things like these you will notice that you're getting better at it because you'll be able to look at every product and understand what's good and what's not good about it and you will um tend to start liking these conversations with different people about what i appreciate in google maps what i appreciate in iphone what i appreciate in my phone or what is something that i would change on youtube so you'll get into more of those conversations and that makes you a better product manager because you will bring that understanding in the product that you're designing so that is and there are obviously uh, a thousand other things that you can do but i would suggest starting with things like these which are doable and which take just about 5 to 10 minutes every day to sit and think about things like these yeah and and a lot of i don't know like sometimes uh, you know really really good ideas come up when you're actually not working right maybe when you're gardening or working out or in the car <laughs> where you're thinking through that problem over and over and again and then you'll have a breakthrough idea sometime yeah so i think this is where the passion about being a product manager comes in as well you can be a product manager that's not very excited about your product but you can be a product manager who is giving in your 100% to the product that you're building because you believe in the mission of that product and so if you start building your product sense if you start focusing on how do i make this a better product or what can i learn from other products then it makes you a more competent product manager and then that's something that you keep doing every day yeah um i know uh, we 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 covered a lot of ground but um, i think there's also an interesting piece where you were working on some of the ai product management stuff and all right so you know if you were to talk us through what a typical ai product managers uh, day looks like right what would that be sure so i think that's a it's a question that i can take an hour to answer but i'll uh, try to wrap it up shortly i'll try to keep it as concise as possible so let me first give you an understanding about what is the product that we work on so i work for oracle hospitality and we work on a core enterprise platform for hotel operations and distribution So to give you an example if I am a guest who is going to a hotel and I'm checking in I'm staying at the I'm staying in one of the rooms and then I'm checking out so there is an entire um, series of logistics that have to be taken care of from the time that I book the reservation I check in arrive at the property uh, complete my stay and then check out and then there's a there's a lot of billing related stuff that is associated so all these logistics are um, they are uh, handled by a software and so this particular software that we work on it was initially on premise now it is it is migrated to cloud we have made it cloud native so once we completed this migration within our organization we started feeling like now most of our features are present in cloud our customers are happy they've been migrated to cloud but we were collecting a lot of customer data and this is where the opportunity to dive deeper into that data and derive insights from it came into the picture so we started thinking about how could we use the historical booking data that we have in order to add value to our customers and the customers that we are talking about these are front desk agents housekeeping agents in the hotel every click in the application is important for them because when a guest is standing at the front desk they waiting to be checked in uh, you are dealing with a pressure filled situation and the more time you take the more frustrated your guest is going to be 
So every part of the workflow was very important for these users. It's a it's a B2B product and we only have to think about our front desk and housekeeping agents. So we started diving into the historical booking data and then we uh, identified a few use cases. One use case was the room pricing. So if you would have seen um, during the hotel and you would have seen this by while booking reservations with any hotels that if you're booking it in December, the prices are maybe they are not that high. But if you're booking it around a time where maybe Grace Hopper celebration is in the same city, the hotel prices would go up. And it's because they are constantly monitoring the demand around them. And they're also looking at what are the events that are happening. So maybe there's a conference in the city that causes the prices to go up. At the same time, it might be something like Thanksgiving where people are, they want to be at home. They are not going to book a lot of um, reservations with hotels because they're spending time with their family. So at that time, the prices would go down. So how do we price rooms optimally? That's a constant uh, pain point in the hospitality industry. And what we're doing is we're looking at the historical booking data and we're trying to predict the occupancy rates at specific times of the year. And then based on that prediction, based on how many cancellations would this property typically receive in a day, based on those things, we are trying to come up with what is the predicted occupancy rate, what is the predicted cancellation rate, and how should the rooms be priced. And this is something that the revenue managers in the hotels would handle, but we give them recommendations about what are the room prices that they should have for every day. Again, it's based on what is their base rate and what is their commission on top of that, but we do give them the recommended base rate for their property because they can now forecast the demand and based on that demand, they can price their room. So that was one of the use cases that we observed. The other use case that we um, observed a lot was most of our customers, when they were reaching out to us with um, some queries and with some complaints about the product, most of the times they were not able to understand how the workflow was designed. Uh, and so maybe there was a configuration issue or maybe there was um, uh, there was a lack of understanding in how the feature is designed. So they would raise all these tickets. They would raise, the, raise these support tickets, which would take four, di uh, four days to be registered with the Oracle support team. And then it would come to the engineer. And then the engineer would look at what is the issue. Product manager would look into it. And then they would discover that this is a configuration issue. So it would add a cycle of about five to 10 days for every ticket or for every complaint that they were raising. So what we did was we offered a conversational AI interface to our customers right within the application. And when they had any issue, they could simply search. Uh, they could just type that issue. Hey, I'm facing issues with reservation. I'm not able to understand how this is working. How do I complete the billing for this reservation? And then if there is a user guide or if there is any documentation around that feature, they would first get that. And not just the entire document, but the, the exact snippet of, the paragraph that they should be reading in order to understand what their issue was. And if that still doesn't solve the problem, then they would raise a ticket with us. So the conversational AI interface, which was like their assistant in the application, would help us in tackling about 60% of their complaints because those were resolved just by looking at the user guides, just by looking at the documentation. So we were doing all this text extraction for them through the conversational AI interface, and they were able to interact with the chatbot and get solutions to their queries. And if the issue was still outstanding, then it would reach the engineers and then it would be solved. So we were trying to bridge the gap between what were some frequently asked questions and what were some 
miscommunication if there was any miscommunication or if there was any gap in understanding what they were trying to do with the application then that would be mitigated by just sharing the relevant documentation and the relevant snippet of documentation pertaining to their queries also trying to uh, do something similar like an assistant kind of thing so um and it it's not easy right so uh, i think the techs sometimes i feel that the tech is easy but the the i think satisfaction rate on how the assistant answers is not uh, not easy and getting that up is uh, you know the problem and like like what do you do like do you train uh, these llms with the data you have and do you ground it what do you use any specific framework for that or yeah so we um we have to use oracle internal tools for this we are not allowed to use open source tools unless oracle does not have an option for that okay. but we do use a tool which is called as oracle digital assistant uh, for okay. building the conversational ai interface so they have an option of bringing our own llms which we can add to the platform and then it can be used so we train um, the train that particular model based on the data for that property because again every hotel interacts with that chatbot in a very different way so we train it for a customer and uh, we continue to review the insights that come out of so there is an analytics um, uh, analytics report that comes with the chatbot interaction so we monitor it every week and we see where the chatbot was not able to understand what the customer said and there's an additional level of complexity that gets added here because we also offer translation so we offer translation in about 40 to 50 languages um awesome. and awesome. that that makes it very difficult because some people depending on the language the way that they phrase their queries are very different they write dates differently they write days differently they write the property name differently so there are many um there, there are a lot of differences in the way that people interact with that chatbot but we are learning uh based on those insights and we are monitoring and retraining that model every week yeah i i think even even for all of the ai models right i think the the main pro is that accuracy like getting that accuracy up and also uh, slicing and dicing that data and you know it's it's always all, almost um, in, for any llm or any uh, rag framework which you used to ground in llm it's bad data in bad data out so i think there's there needs to be a lot of slicing dicing pruning of data and sorting of the data so that's where you get good responses out of it so yeah makes sense uh, so um, and and maybe right like to a, a follow up question right like if i were to uh, say how how is this different from regular product management right like or or what are some duties which you uh, do in addition or uh, do little different to traditional product management in building this product what would they be so um, i feel like an ai product manager in some days might just be called a product manager because when we talk about ai product management it's only the nature the the way that the nature of work differs is you're dealing with ai systems but everything other than that is similar your processes the way that you deal with your engineers is similar the difference that i see the major difference that i see here is you're also dealing with data scientists here and sometimes data scientists get too focused on the math and so you as a product manager have to bring them back to why are we building this so they get too focused about optimizing the accuracy when maybe the feature that we are building is not going to add any value to the user and so you have to constantly ground the data scientists and get them back to the fact that we are building this for our users this is what our users want and we can always optimize the accuracy later so this in order to deal with those data scientists you should be able to understand the foundation of how these models work 
maybe not that deep of a technical understanding but you should have a holistic picture of how these models work how they are designed how they are trained so that you can talk to the data scientists and you can let them know and you can ground them and reroute them to what is the priority for that particular product so that is one the other difference that i see is you, as an ai product manager you deal with more uncertainty than the normal products because when i'm working on a core feature uh, where let's say i'm making um, a ui for the user being able to book a reservation then there are a set um, examples of processes that I have to follow and there are a set um, a set of metrics that i know that everyone has to abide by but as an ai product manager I myself am exploring if this feature will work or not by doing several pr- proof of concepts, and some of those features might be successful, some of those features might not work, and you have to be ready for that kind of experimentation mode. You're always in experimentation mode as an AI product manager, where you're figuring out if this feature might add value, but it not perform that well with the customer, and it happened. in our case as well where we were trying to build um we were trying to build an algorithm for assigning rooms to different reservations and we were trying to come come up with an intelligent way to do it but it not it did not strike well with our customers because they felt like ai was doing it and they got scared and they wanted more transparency about how ai was assigning these rooms so a lot of times we have had these questions from the customers where they don't really understand the value that we are adding and maybe because we are not solving for the right problem so as an ai product manager then we've gone back to questioning the why behind the feature and then maybe trying to solve a different problem that's actually a pain point for the customers so uh, that is something that you sign up for you are constantly dealing with uncertainty and you have to be okay with iterating and uh, sometimes starting a product from scratch in order to meet your customer needs i uh, know we have already talked right like product management is complex by nature and now we are adding another <laughs> feather in the hat and even more uncertainty into this and more experimentation and more trying to figure out things so yeah 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 thanks for walking us through all of that stuff and and i think there's not much uh, literature out there on what a product management is or correct definition around that but this helps at least people to understand what it might look like in the future and how it would evolve as we go there awesome so yeah so observed a lot i've also watched a lot of talks around this that eventually everyone will be an ai product manager it's just that right now people are giving it that ai product manager term eventually it will be like every product manager should know ai and then ai will dissolve from the tag it will not be a part of the title anymore it will be a part of the job description core job skills of a product manager <laughs> core job skills absolutely not just product manager dude. every engineer will know ai down the line or every role in tech hey. should know ai down the line yeah yeah so there's some way or the other in which ai will embed into our products to optimize our processes to optimize the way that customers interact with those products so eventually it will that will be the case uh, i remember that there was a time where android pm used to be a thing they used mm. to specifically call android uh, they used to call those product managers android product managers but now every product manager uh, working on android development is just a product manager right so because it's it's become a part of the products that we designed we always tested for mobiles we always tested for different resolutions and so same is the case with ai 
and many people have talked about this that eventually it will just be a product manager so don't run behind becoming an ai product manager is what i would say awesome so um, i don't know like we covered a lot of ground right we covered personal branding products and say product management so normally what we do is like we end with a trivia so uh, you know as product managers you do a lot of research and consume a lot of content so we want to ask everybody their favorite um, uh, you know places where they go to to consume content so maybe we'll start with the first question like if you were to mention one go to book right like what would that be uh, fiction or non fiction fiction uh, for product management anything, or anything. Right? Like which which is your favorite anything. and yeah so i would say atomic habits by james clear funny i think you also made a video over that is that it right that i made a video out of right? that yeah <laughs> sometime back yeah, yeah i love that as well because you don't think about the overall yeah. goal you think about the steps that you take every day to finally achieve your goal yeah I, it, it still stays uh, next to my bed like before i sleep i just read the few pages and sleep it's like amazing to just refresh that yeah awesome yeah it's a beautiful book and um uh, you know you mentioned also going through some newsletters and stuff like that like is there, are there any newsletters which you could point us towards or which you which is your go to newsletter to read about product management i think when you think about product it has to be lenny's newsletter <laughs> lenny writes such great stuff about the product management field and he interviews people shares their perspective so it's it's been great being a subscriber and learning a lot about that field through his newsletter so i would recommend every product manager to read that good and uh, what about a podcast <laughs> apart from everything product <laughs> <laughs> yeah apart from everything <laughs> uh, i would say um for podcast there's a podcast by product school that i follow where they interview different product managers and talk about their day to day life um, so i would highly recommend that it's it's on all audio platforms you can just search for product school podcast and um, every time i whenever i go for a walk i try to listen to one of those episodes it, it helps me understand what different kinds of product managers exist in this world Very yeah good. cool um, this is great ketki actually uh, one last thing right before we wrap up the podcast if there is a couple of things that you would recommend um early product managers or product managers who are growing in their career what would that be so we talked a lot about building product sense and it particularly is very important when you're giving interviews that you are able to prove to your interviewer that you're thinking from a product lens so i would recommend any um, early career professional trying to break into product try to build your product sense by reading a lot of product case studies and uh, funny i can also share a few links with you mm-hmm. where there are some very good medium publications that uh, they share product case case studies every every week and i read a lot of those so i'll share those with you um, so would recommend reading through those product case studies listening to as many product managers as you can either by scheduling a coffee chat or by just watching different podcasts where product managers are talking about their experience because then you'll understand how to articulate yourself in a way that um, is more product focused and that um, shows that you can be a competent product manager and then if you're breaking into product management from a non product field it can be a non technical background it can be any background also think about the transferable skills that you can bring from that profession to this one for instance if you're breaking into product from a psychology background 
then you can relate it to user psychology and you can showcase how you understand that better if you are breaking into it from an engineering perspective you can say that i have a very good technical foundation and therefore i will be more competent in interacting with the engineers and helping to helping to keep them accountable in the product launch uh, that is one thing that you could say so think very deeply about the background that you're coming from and what are the transferable skills that you can bring to the product to the product field from that uh, experience so you're not starting from scratch it's important to remember that and it's important to highlight and stress on those qualities during the interview those are just some few things to build the product mindset and then eventually once you break into product keep updating yourself about what is happening in your field by reading research papers listening to podcasts and and the usual that we do no this is awesome kitki thank you so much for spending time with us and thank you so much for sharing all of the knowledge mm-hmm. with all of our listeners and thank you for your time